Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Welcome to episode 129 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and we are rapidly approaching the end of the year. And this is the, the last episode. That's of right. The year. So uh, it's the end. 129. So we made 129 by 129 the end of by 2021, the all the way through the pandemic. I was trying to think of the word in this pandemic, um, and uh, we're here. So yep. we're, we're still, still in here. a pandemic. We're still here. Neither of us have gone from this life to the next, which nope. is okay. No, nope. yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's great to be here. But uh, And if you are here and you are listening, let other people know, Facebook, Twitter, text them the link. And as you're thinking about it and as you get involved in the podcast today, it certainly helps us to reach and influence others, not only here in in our church, but also around the world. That's right. What was your favorite thing of 2021, Pops? Oh, that was a tough year. I don't yeah, know. you had a tough uh, year, didn't you? Yeah. You had the COVID four or five yeah. times. <laughs> just once. Just once. And then I just went through a procedure that we won't talk about. Um, but uh, <laughs> Not a good way to end your year. Uh, you know, I, our, certainly the highlight is always uh, seeing my grandkids and being able to go to Boston and see them because we don't get to see them yeah. as often. So anyway, you know, uh, just being with grandkids, being with my wife, and all those things. Pretty good are just year. Very all in all, things. pretty good year. No, I, I thank the Lord for the yeah. year. Yeah, you know, I mean, great you, year at Northwood. Great year, just uh, super. Oh, super year yeah. at Northwood. I mean, when when we go back and look at all that God has done in this past year, it's just been. You know, if you have ten percent growth, most people say that's out of control. Yeah, and brother, we've almost had one hundred percent growth. There's been a lot of new people at Northwood. So, it's really cool. I mean, it is it's hard to keep up. Yeah, so it's exciting well, to good. be a part, hopefully, be in the center of it. Yeah, hopefully 2022 will be just as... Hopefully we'll be able to manage some cool. of this growth like we're supposed to. When I say we, I mean me, and because <laughs> I'm in li- I'm the Life Connection Group's uh, pastor. So anyway, yeah. all that is exciting. Looking forward to 2022, see what that holds. Yeah, what's going to happen in 20? What's the big thing you're looking forward to in 2022? Well, hopefully we go to, go to Israel. You and I are going yeah, to Israel that's together. Yeah, that is hey, a Hey, I had an one. idea. I don't know if it's going to work or not. So I don't even know we're going to go to Israel because they shut down Israel again with this uh, yeah, Omicron stuff going yeah. on and... Hopefully it'll be gone by the time we get there in March. I have no idea. I know we have to have 14 COVID tests before we go or oh, something boy. like that. Is okay. I've never. Have you had a COVID test yet? Oh yeah, it's horrible. They they stuck it way up in your nose, right? Oh my heavens! I have yes. not had one yet. I don't want to. have. I guess my have to. We go to Israel. That is one of those issues that you know when I say this should have been torture and you would confess to anything. It was torturous, huh? <sighs> <laughs> well, thanks for getting me all excited about the 14 uh, COVID tests I'm going to have to take before we go to Israel. Well, the one that they do, you know, the one you take at home, that's, yeah. they just swab like here and here. Yeah. But the one they do is they get a thing they go that to your long brain and they go up They check there. your brain. Mm, it is unbelievable. Oh, man. Well, I had a thought, though. If we, yeah. if we do get to go to Israel, yeah. it'll be your first time going. Yes. It'll be my, I don't know how many times I've gone now. Wow. Three, four, five, something like that. I don't know. I've been, I've been a few times now. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, I think if we can arrange it, we're going to do some uh, podcasting from Israel. Oh, that would be absolutely awesome. Would it? I know Pastor Ivy, my son, wants to do some uh, stuff from the empty tomb. Mm. So when we're in the empty tomb, he wants to do some things, send them back to his church. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be so super to do some March. of those We're going to try to do some, maybe some extra special episodes from Israel. All right. 
I'll we bring, figure it I'll out. bring my microphone. Put in your book bag. There you go. In yeah. my book bag. Yeah. We'll Baby. figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We'll figure it out. All right. We got stuff to talk about today. Yes, we do. We're, we're in going to talk about the book of revelation and, yeah. uh, I think not that revelations. The, yeah. Revelation. Revelation. It's one, one single revelation. Um, and that is a pet peeve of mine. I just call it revelation. But as a, as a new believer, uh, we always, you know, you have all these books and everybody says, you got to read this book. It's the greatest thing. And, and, and Jesus is coming back and here's how he's going to come back. And we know exactly how he's going to come back and everything about it. And so what it does is you're excited as a new believer. Then as you get further on and as you mature, you say, well, I know all that quote unquote, you don't really, but you think you do because mm-hmm. you're immature. And then you say, so why do we need to read it again? Yeah. Why is revelation even important to me now? But, you know, I think, uh, what John said is very clear. You know, yeah. he said, blessed are you if you read these words. So it is something that we need to be reading. Yeah. 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 So and be a part what of. I've discovered about the book of revelation over the years in pastoral ministry is that it is a book that I think piques the most interest in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody wants to study Revelation. And, and I it, bet you I haven't dived, I have not done a. Every know. pastoral search committee I ever went through, they always ask me, are you willing to teach through the book of Revelation? Just about everyone. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm going, yeah. Well, I've taught through <laughs> it several times. I've not taught through it all the way through at Northwood in a yeah. large group setting. I've taught through it in a couple of my discipleship groups. We've gone through it. Um, uh, but here's what I've discovered about the book of Revelation. When I've taught through it, mm-hmm. A couple of things have happened. One, that first couple of weeks that we go through Revelation, mm-hmm. all the whole church is there. <laughs> By the time we get to week three or four, about three people are left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's difficult. It's challenging. And, yes, it is. And, and I think what happens when we begin to actually study Revelation, it it doesn't all answer all the questions we have. Mm-hmm. And so when we start studying Revelation, we think, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get all my questions answered, those, <laughs> those you know. The grasshoppers <laughs> represent the helicopters or whatever the case may be. I mean, yes. so I'm going to get all those questions answered. It's going to be great. And then our oh, questions aren't man. answered. And so people get frustrated because yeah. I thought we were going to answer all the questions. Well, Revelation doesn't answer all the questions that you have. It's not the, the point of the book. And then, you know, usually what I have uh, every time I've taught Revelation, and um, and maybe it's been why I've been slower to teach it at Northwood, is I usually have several people that leave the church. Oh, boy. Because if you don't, everybody has and, and the frustrating yeah. thing is that I, you know, because of where I was brought up, I do, I, the standard Southern Baptist beliefs, I don't know what that means, but anyway, uh, I'm not going to get into all that. Point is, is yeah. that, is that if you miss one thing, it's not like overarching stuff, right? It's like this one little thing that's their pet, pet, whatever pet that little pet yeah, thing. Yeah. And you miss that or you don't, you say, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. You know, you, they go. What? Yeah. How right. can you be a Christian and not? Right. Because you know, there are people that have very dogmatic and very passionate oh views when it comes to Revelation, and that's okay. Uh, and and just lay my cards on the table when we begin talking about Revelation. Um, you know, I I recognize that some of the viewpoints I hold mm-hmm. might not be correct. Right. I, I, have, I hold a real fluid view of Revelation. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I'm passionate about the book. I love reading it and studying it and teaching it. I have some mm-hmm. very, I have some very formed views of mm-hmm. the book of Revelation. But I understand this is a book that over the years, you know, there's been a lot of people who have who've taken some stabs at it and lots of different viewpoints. And mm-hmm. my viewpoints might not be 100% accurate. And I'm, and I'm cool with that. And I think making that admission sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Like oh, we're supposed to have it all figured out. But no, we, we're not supposed to have it all figured out. It, the, I, the we book, can understand the main point of the book, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, the book of Revelation itself, it says until the end time, yeah. that time that this stuff is taking place, whatever that means, yeah. we don't exactly know, 
that's what it's for. Yeah. That that is the main. I shouldn't say what it's for, but that's when it will totally be understood. Yeah. In other words, even if we say we are these different ways of interpreting it, it's still a book that was never intended to we to know everything. No. It was never intended to yeah, be that way. Yeah. So, so what we've been doing over the past few weeks, if you've been on the podcast, obviously, so we've been we've been looking at different genres of scripture and talking about some helpful tips for reading uh, different genres of scripture, whether it's been the Gospels, the Epistles, Old Testament narrative, law, um, poetry, whatever the case may be. And so we're gonna end this up by looking at the book of Revelation, because the book of Revelation, in a lot of ways, it really stands alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as um, as a book of the Bible, and and it doesn't neatly fit into some of the other categories we talked about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't neatly fit into, you know, prophecy, even though there's a lot of prophetic elements in it. It doesn't mm-hmm. neatly fit into, obviously, narrative or mm-hmm. things like that. So, so trying to deal with, okay, what is this book, and how do we uh, read it well so that we can gain from it the message that the Spirit of God is giving us through this book. And that's what's exciting about this podcast, because I want to be able to read it well. And yeah. I think a lot of people want to be able to yeah. read it well. Yeah, absolutely. So all right. let's talk so, about these tips and see what we can do and see what makes some sense of it. All, all right. right, here we go. Three tips. And the first one is this, know that revelation is unique. Okay, you, you, you got to understand this. We just talked about it. Revelation is unique. It mm-hmm. is, in a lot of ways like some other books of the Bible, but also in a lot of ways, unlike Mm -hmm. other books of the Bible. And so just understanding that when we approach Revelation, it is a unique book. It is a book of visions uh, that, that, that Christ gave the Apostle John as he's on the Isle of Patmos nearing his death. We think the book will just give you some background. Maybe in the the, the 90s is probably when the book was written. Mm -hmm. And so what's going on in that time period is Domitian. Domitian is the emperor of Rome. Um, He comes after Nero. And so so persecution has already started to take place in the lives of believers. Yes. uh, And it's going to get worse. There have already been some people who have been martyred for their faith, and it's going to get worse. And so if you think about Revelation, really what John is saying He's, he's speaking to a people who are being persecuted for their faith, and he's saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But, my friend, listen, it's going to get much, much better someday. Mm-hmm. So he, he's helping these people to understand how to keep their eyes on the victory they have in Jesus in some very difficult times. Okay, so so that's kind of the, the goal. Paul, not Paul, Paul writes other books. John is really taking this um, apocalyptic book, if you will, and using it as a tool to encourage believers to keep pressing on in the faith. And I think we we also have to understand, we always talk about the historical background right. when, we, when we're trying to interpret a scripture. But with Revelation, it's almost like we throw that out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when I say we, yeah. you know so, what I'm talking about. And that's the thing, about. that's the thing. Um, it, that is important. It is very it's important. important to how we read it. And so I would argue that if you're going to understand the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. then you need to understand its historical context. Mm-hmm. Of course. That that this is written. It's written to all of us because it's a book of the Bible given by the Spirit of God to the church. Mm-hmm. That would include us. But there's a very specific audience that John writes to in a very specific time, going through very specific struggles. This book is meant to encourage people to endure in the midst of persecution. And so then that means, if that's what it meant for the original audience, to endure in the face of persecution, that's what it means for us too. This is a book for us, right, mm-hmm. to, to, to learn how to endure in the midst of suffering and persecution, mm-hmm. knowing that we have ultimate victory in Christ Jesus. Are there futuristic elements in the book? Absolutely. But the main point of the book is to show us victory is in Jesus. You can keep pressing on because you know your victory is in Christ. So if you'll keep that idea in your mind as you read through Revelation, this idea of, of victory is in Jesus, uh, so we're going to press on in our suffering, 
uh, then I think that's going to help you to read the book better in and of itself. But it's a unique book, right? Because if you think about the book, okay, and let's just break it down real quick. We, we've talked about different genres mm-hmm. of scripture. And so Revelation really is a combination of three different genres of scripture. Mm-hmm. So so you think about it, one, um, it's an epistle. Yes. Right? You think about the seven churches that yep. uh, John addresses or Christ addresses, uh, and John records it, obviously, in the first couple of chapters. So, so this, when you think about epistle, remember we talked about epistles several episodes ago, epistles are occasional documents, mm-hmm. right? What we mean by that is that an epistle isn't a document written to a, a, a church or a group of churches in a specific time in a specific place, right? So that's what this is. That's mm-hmm. why context is important. This is an epistle. This was, you know, a, a book, a letter that was meant to circulate among the seven churches in Asia Minor to give them encouragement and hope in the midst of what they're going through. So it's an epistle in that regard, uh, but it's not only epistle, it's, it's also apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say apocalyptic, Apocalyptic, uh, again, we we don't go to Barnes and Noble and go to the apocalyptic section of the bookstore, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's there. It's not there yeah. because no one writes apocalyptic literature. No one. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a primarily a Jewish form of writing mm. between 200 BC and 200 AD. Okay, so so primarily, primarily uh, Jewish authors authors would write this kind of literature, and when they wrote this kind of literature. It was highly symbolic. Mm-hmm. And so, so what apocalyptic literature is concerned about is final victory, mm-hmm. final judgment, final victory. Well, you obviously see those elements in the book of Revelation, these apocalyptic elements mm-hmm. that are focused on final judgment and final victory. That mm-hmm. was common in apocalyptic literature. And so when you think about apocalyptic literature, you think about this focus on judgment and victory. You think about symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism mm-hmm. in Revelation that was um, uh, the way apocalyptic, apocalyptic, apo- I can't say the word now, pops, apocalyptic literature worked. So very, very symbolic. You think even when you read the book of Revelation, you have the use of numbers, mm-hmm. right? Now the numbers are literal. When, when John says seven or 144,000, I mean, those are the numbers he uses, but mm-hmm. they're not nef- necessarily referential, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those numbers are symbolic. You think about the number seven, it's the number of completion, or you think about the number six, you have the mark of the beast, six, 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 that, that number is the number of, of incomplete, right? And so you see John using numbers very strategically to communicate things, uh, uh, about God's work in his world, right? So you've got all these different things that are, that are characteristic mm-hmm. of apocalyptic literature that you see John using in the book of Revelation. So it's an epistle, it's apocalyptic, but it's also prophecy, mm-hmm. right? Now you see that in the very first chapter of Revelation, yeah. verse three, let me read it to you real quick. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Yeah. All right. Now, so, so now he, yeah. So when we talked about prophecy a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. right, we talked about how prophecy, it is concerned with future, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, they, they talk about future hope. You see that in Revelation, there's future hope. Mm-hmm. But what were the prophets most interested in? What was going on right then? Yes. I was going to talk about that. Good. Yeah. yeah. Present. Not only were they interested in what was going on right then, uh, they were interested even more so in present obedience. Oh, yeah. Right? Repent. You've messed up. Turn your heart back to God. Get it right. You know? So not only was foretelling, it was foortelling. Foretelling, right? You're being it, a prophet yeah, and telling yeah, people yeah, to get yeah. right with God. So so yeah. that makes sense in the context of Revelation because Revelation is an epistle given to churches uh, you know, in a specific time, a specific, specific place. It is prophetic, mm-hmm. right? Hey, 
you think about the seven churches and in those seven churches, Jesus gives some warnings and encouragements and says, Hey, get you, get you've lost your first love. Mm-hmm. Come on, repent, get back on track. You're lukewarm. Come on now, repent, get back yeah. on track. You know? So, so, so you see this prophetic element in the book of revelation where, where there is a concern with what's going on right now. And so, so John addresses that and, um, and calls people to, you know, continue to walk by faith. So just know this is the uniqueness of revelation that when you read revelation, it, it is, it is, you know, really a culmination of, of three different genres or a collaboration or whatever the word, I'm, I can't think of the right word to use right now, but it, it is taking three different genres and combining mm-hmm. those things together. And then you have this unique book revelation. All right. So the first tip revelation is unique. Second tip though, that we need to know is that revelation is highly debated. Oh, here's where we get into it. <laughs> Let's have at it. <laughs> it's, it's a debated book. Yes, it is. And, and here's the reality. Um, it's been debated for a long time. Mm, uh, like not of, just in the last 20 years. years, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you can go back and, and read from early church history onward and there's been some, you know, some conversations about mm. the book of Revelation and how we interpret it and what we do with it. It's just a different kind of book. Mm-hmm. And so, so that should help us when you, when you hear someone like at Northwood, if I'm, you know, teaching on Revelation and I say something like, I haven't heard that before. Well, it's a debated book. Or yeah. That's not how I think about it. Well, I, I get that. There are different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, what we what we have to agree on when we read the book of Revelation is we have to agree on uh, its main theme. What Revelation is concerned about is the return of Christ, Amen. his ultimate victory, right? So we agree on that. We agree that Christ is going to return, established his, his eternal kingdom, New heavens, new earth, and so we we agree that uh, on that right, the second mm-hmm. coming of Jesus Christ. That is a theme in the Book of Revelation. He's going to bring about his ultimate victory, uh, but but lots of other things. We we you know, we're, we're probably not all going to agree on this the viewpoint that we take right. So for example, let me give you the the common viewpoints sure. just real quick. And if you're listening, a lot of you have probably heard some of these things before, but just for sake of review, let's talk about some of the common viewpoints of the book of Revelation. You have what's called a preterist viewpoint. You know what that is, Pops, don't you? Yep. So, That's about the past. Yeah, about the past. So yeah. so what preterist viewpoint says is that um Revelation was written prior to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Mm-hmm. And so Revelation is a book about that. Right. It's about Jerusalem falling. And so, you know, there's there's people who hold this viewpoint even today that say, no, Revelation's about that. It's not about the future and all those kinds of things. It's about, you know, the fall of Jerusalem and, and the ramifications of that. So that's a preterist viewpoint. Now, personally, I would not... Um, you know, hold to that, that viewpoint, uh, because for, for lots of different reasons, I, I think that revelation is more universal than just dealing with mm-hmm. the fall of Jerusalem. I think it's talking about judgment of the nations and all kinds of stuff. Right. And I, I think that it's, it's one, it was written later. I don't think it was written prior 70. I think it was written uh, more in the nineties. I think that there's more of an argument for that. So, so I, I would not hold to a predator's viewpoint. So, and, 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 and honestly, I don't think that's the more popular viewpoint of the day anyway. So you have the Predest viewpoint, you have the, the, the uh, what's called the Historist view. Mm-hmm. Now, this was very popular back during the time of the Reformers. Mm-hmm. Many of you have heard the names um, of like Martin Luther yeah. or John Calvin. During their time period, this was a very popular view. And so what a, a Historist viewpoint would say is that, you know, the book of Re- Revelation, it covers different ages in the history of the I've church. I've heard that many right? times, yeah. So you think about, for example, um, you know, Chapters, you know, what, maybe um, 
four through seven mm-hmm. would cover the fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. And you get maybe like a chapters 10 through 12 or so. And that's going to be talking about, you know, um, Catholicism and the, 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 mm-hmm. the papacy and those kind of things. And then, or actually that would be 12 through 13. And, and so just, they yeah. would, they would just say, Hey, over the course of history, revelation works out over the course of history. Right. And you can, you can, you can follow the book of revelation and see how it plays out over the course of the years. Right. Mm-hmm. There's different ages of the church. Right. So again, that was a very popular viewpoint. Um, during, during the time of the reformation. Again, that's not a viewpoint that, that I would necessarily hold. Uh, but it, but it is, uh, was a popular viewpoint. So if you read, if you read a lot of Reformation work, you're going to hear those, those terms. Uh, for instance, I know you talked about the Catholic Church, but one of the things that Martin Luther, he was convinced yeah. that the, the Pope was, was the, Antichrist. The, the Antichrist. Yeah, absolutely. He was absolutely. Convinced, And the Antichrist revelation. So yeah, yeah. not just an Antichrist. Yeah, no, so. that, yeah, he was the beast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? so, so yeah, so that's again, just a different viewpoint. Uh, a third viewpoint, and this is probably... Uh, the most popular viewpoint in evangelical circles today mm-hmm. would be the futurist viewpoint. Okay, so the futurist viewpoint would say that um, everything that happens in chapter four through the end of the book is happening in the future. Mm-hmm. That's why we call it the futurist viewpoint, right? Uh, so you think about um, you know some of the, the maybe the more popular preachers you've heard on TV, like a Tim LaHaye, yeah, who wrote the yeah. Left Behind series of books. Or a John Hagee, mm-hmm. or or guys like, or even you know, um, uh, you know some um, of our Southern Baptist preachers uh, yeah. and scholars would hold to a futurist viewpoint. There's there's different variations on that viewpoint. You know, one's called classic dispensationalism, which yeah. we won't get into all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, but you know, this futurist viewpoint it says that forward to the end of the book is all about what's taking place in the future. Mm-hmm. Now I'm putting it pretty simply, but but essentially that that's right. the viewpoint, right? Yeah. Um, that's probably not the, that, that's not the viewpoint I would hold. I think there are futuristic elements in of course. the book of Revelation, yeah. obviously. But but I, I think, man, this was a book that was primarily written to people in a certain context, right, who needed encouragement and hope in that day. So I don't think it would have made sense for the original audience if the whole book was focused on distant future. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not the message they needed. They needed a message of present hope, and I think that's the message that Revelation provides is a message of present hope. So, and and that's where I have changed as well because yeah. it, that's what was happening in my. That's what I was telling you. My whole why do I need to read this again? I already know what I believe, which I didn't. But <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. But if you if that is what you hold on to and you hold on to it, you know, dogmatically. Yeah. Uh, you're going to miss some of the great yeah, stuff the yeah, Revelation yeah, yeah, has for yeah, you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I would, I would probably be safe to assume that many of our listening audience has have pro, pro, predominantly heard over the years from, you know, if, especially if they grew up in a Baptist church like we did, mm-hmm. they probably heard it a more of a futurist viewpoint of mm-hmm. Revelation. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, again, there's some strengths of that viewpoint. I just, I don't think it it best fits the sure. context of Revelation. Um, the final one is called the idealist view, and so the idealist view again, it. it it essentially says that what revelation is, is a symbolic battle between good and evil, mm-hmm. uh, that, that shows us, you know, what's going on in the heavenly realm, right. Um, as we approach the, the end of time. So that's the idealist. It would say it's all symbolic, right? Uh, so for me personally, you know, I, I think there's things to gain from each of these viewpoints, mm-hmm. right? I think so. And so, you know, I would say, Hey, let, let's just, Take the text for what it is and think about the original audience and think about the way apocalyptic literature works and let's go from there. And so I, I do think from the idealist perspective, I think there is a lot of symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, but at the same time, I think there certainly are those futuristic elements as well. So, you know, I would say I'm, I'm kind of a modified 
idealist, futurist kind of take some of those things and put them together somehow. I don't know. I'm just still figuring it out. Well, it is an I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, and I'm cool with that. I, but for this is what worries me, and this is what I'm, I want to be very clear with, is that when somebody thinks they have it all figured out, yeah. they don't. I mean, yeah. that should be your warning sign yeah. that they don't have it figured out. Yeah. And to give us these three, you know, the four blood moons thing that was big, real yeah, popular. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, John Hagee. Oh, my heavens. It was an, or, it was an ordeal. It was. And I mean, Some I crazy literally stuff. had almost a church split over yeah. that issue. And I'm going, folks, this is, this is. This is ridiculous yeah. that y'all are being this dogmatic about it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Be very careful about being dogmatic about these things. When we really are wondering ourselves, we're yeah. hoping that certain things we believe are right, but we don't know. We yeah. just don't know. There's yeah. no way to know all yeah. these things. Again, what we do know is that Christ is going to return mm-hmm. and establish his eternal kingdom. What we do know is this book is providing us hope. We do know that. We're not saying the whole book is unknown. I mean, I think we can understand the book of Revelation. Of course. Um, but we just have to think carefully about all these different factors, original audience, context, all those different things. I think those, those things help us to have an informed understanding of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. all right, we've got, we've got to hurry fast because I'm going to run out of time. Yeah, we are. So, okay, so, so third tip. Yep. Know that Revelation should be read humbly. Yeah, before we get to that, I want to talk about. Oh, sorry, of, brother. Go we, ahead. We, we skipped the millennium. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, okay, now this is, this is this is important. So you have the debate going on in Revelation, mm-hmm. right? The debate of, you know, the different viewpoints, futurist, idealist, historist, whatever the case may be. But then a lot of debate hinges on one chapter in Revelation, mm-hmm. right? Chapter mm-hmm. 20 yeah. and this idea of the millennium. And so the millennium is the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? And so so just real quickly, there's there's a there's three different viewpoints about the millennium. One is this premillennial uh, viewpoint, right, that... Um, that takes a very literal reading of the thousand year reign. And so it just talks about there's tribulation mm-hmm. and then, then Christ returns and then establishes reign for a thousand years on the earth. Now, mm-hmm. again, even with that, there's debate because you have some people who talk about a rapture and pre-tribulation. And then you have kind of the historical premillennial, which I'm pretty comfortable in that camp uh, that says, you know, um, there's no secret rapture of the church, but the church will endure tribulation, and then Christ returns, establishes a thousand-year kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that. Um, and then there's the post-millennial view, but this was held by you know a, a lot of our um, um, American ancestors, yeah, yeah. right? Those who came over, you know, in that in that time when America was being settled. Um, post-millennial um, theolo- the- theology says that that you know the a thousand year reign of Christ is not a specified specific thousand years, mm-hmm. but it is a time in history, mm-hmm. right? And we don't know exactly when that time starts. It's a time in history where things progressively get better, mm-hmm. not worse. So it's kind of the opposite of premillennial. <laughs> exactly. Because premillennial yeah. says things are going to get worse. There's going to be tribulation. Yeah. Where postmillennial yeah. says, no, things are going to get better. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I don't know if that's right, but it sounds good to me. I mean, I want things to get better. Everybody <laughs> wants things to get better, but I don't know if that's real scriptural. So you have that. And then you have a final one, uh, which is becoming more popular. I think it was really with, with reformers, this became a, a more um popular viewpoint is called amillennialism. Mm-hmm. That word ah, that, that prefix ah means no, no millennium. Mm-hmm. Now that's not what amillennialists believe. Mm-hmm. Amillennialists believe there's a millennium, but amillennialists believe that that millennium is taking place now. It's a spiritual reign mm-hmm. that right now, God's people right now are, are reigning and ruling with him. And then someday he's going to uh, come back. Right? So you have those three different viewpoints. Um, again, just giving you some options. I give you all that so that you might know um, and this has been very quick, that Revelation obviously is a highly debated book. And so therefore, third tip, you do need to read it humbly. Yes, you do. Right? And just 
understanding there's a lot of rich truth in the book of Revelation. You should study it. Mm-hmm. You should you should explore all these different viewpoints. You should buy books on Revelation or hear pastors preach on Revelation. You should do all those things because mm-hmm. it's a wonderful study and it's 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 encouraging and it you know it's it's a it's a neat book to study. But just as you're studying, hold it, hold you know, kind of read it humbly, right? What what Christ is teaching his church, the book of Revelation, is that he is going to return and he is going to set up his eternal kingdom and you do have hope, right? You're going to suffer. Keep mm-hmm. your eyes on the king who's going to return. If you'll keep that again in mind, you're going to be well along your way as you read the book of Revelation. All righty. Well, here's the deal. All right. So I'm reading and I'm about, about to get into the book of Revelation in my Bible reading. So then I've never done it before. I've only heard what I've heard about Revelation. What should I then look for? What is the one thing that I should look for in the book of Revelation as I read Jesus, to study it? Look for Jesus. Okay. Look for Jesus and his victory. Look at how Jesus ministers to his church. Look for the hope in the book, right? So, so, Very good. So I would just, I would suggest, I would suggest. Now, again, there are futuristic elements in the book for sure. Christ is going to return. We, we know that. But when you read through Revelation, why don't you try this? Think more about hope than you think about future. Okay, good. I mean, it's written to give you Good hope. Work. It's such a, it's such a helpful book. That's why I like studying it because it is so hopeful. Amen. Well, Pastor, this has been really good, and I think it's going to help us in our reading, especially as we get to the Book of Revelation. So, why don't you close us out and get us ready for next week? That was a lot of stuff, pops. That was a lot of information. So I hope some of that stuck. If not, that's okay. Go back and listen to it again. I do hope it was helpful for you today. And if it was helpful for you today and you want new content delivered to your device every single week, hit that subscribe button. I think that will help you as we continue to help you have content every single week. And if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That always helps us get the word out about our podcast. And as always, we hope today's episode has helped you connect faith to life. 